0: You chase, this better be a dynamite intro. I mean, eight humans, you better show up. I mean, I'm recording right now. Eight so. humans, that's 16 eyes. Yeah, in theory, <laughs> I <be>. guess. <laughs> I guess I don't know.
1: <laughs> Are we going right now? Yes, oh, I <laughs> was the intro. Okay, great. okay, <laughs> yeah, no no intro. Intro. I have no
2: idea how it started. The no, intro, away, intro. And Derek. I was just waiting for uh, Chase to say something like. Um, you know. So anyway, that's why they y'all call kept, it batter. I was trying to leave a pause so I could cut to it later, okay, but y'all okay, just kept rambling. We're about to officially pause. Hey, welcome to the
3: podcast. <laughs> we're so excited you're here today. We got a little bit of Facebook Live going on, but by the time you're listening to this, that's in the past, just like the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so quit looking back. We're only looking ahead right now. Yolo. I'm so confused. <laughs> Everything's breaking down. My God, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> down Periscope? Awesome Chase Chase's intros
2: are a lot like his CrossFit. Like, he starts out really strong, and then he starts to think, what am I doing? <laughs> then Got other stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. And then, yeah. <laughs> then you don't see him for two
0: months.
3: <laughs>
2: I've had the flu. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, a really, multiple times. I've had the flu multiple times. What are you drinking, Ben? should drink some water. All right, well, here's a story in this. I intended to have a little Gatorade, but I just lost patience trying to get the powder into the
1: bottle. <laughs> like, that'll so do. Now, so you have very watered-down Gatorade.
2: <laughs> It'll do, man. It's like, apparently, it's it better like, than the Coke Zero sitting like on the table. It's water. Which isn't Coke Zero anymore, <laughs> by the way, speaking of the way yeah, it's not change. the old, Yeah, the old Coke Zero was, like, really good. This one's okay. Yeah. It's fine. I don't know why. It's something that Coke just continually does. They change things that are good into things that are not as good. Yep. Yep. Classic
3: thing. But that's not Classic what we're Coke. doing today. Oh. Today we're actually
2: rolling into uh we're rolling into something we've never done before, breaking new ground. We're going to handle Questions from the listening audience. Wow, and we've got a couple of uh, killer questions that I'm pretty excited to interrupt the experts and answer myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank we, you. Don't interrupt <laughs> me.
1: We have a we have a captive uh, audience on Facebook Live, and we have some good questions so far, and we hope we get many more. Um, do we just want to jump right into it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, these I I feel like these questions will only lead to more questions. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, let me go back up, and get past all this jibber jabber. Uh, so Kim Kim Owen asks, <laughs> "Jibber jabber." Yeah, mo, <laughs> what what most, are you from the '40s, uh, <laughs> Mister <T? laughs> yeah, I get past all this jibber jabber.
3: Mostly from, mo. Jabber.
1: <laughs> <laughs> from mo and Martin, probably. Yeah. Uh, so so Kim Owen says, "I love CrossFit, but all my friends over 50 say they are too old and have arthritis and can't do CrossFit. What can I tell them, and how can CrossFit help them?" Tell Why them to is, read the blog post that your mm. son wrote called "You're Never Too Old for CrossFit." That's right. Show okay. them, uh, show them the
0: video of uh,
2: of uh, my client Bill doing his first pull up ever in his life at the age of sixty one. Man, that was awesome! That was I watched awesome. it like five or six times because like he spends so much time under tension. He's right at the top. He's like, "I'm not giving we, up on this." We've
0: got a, we have a, uh, we have a goal what we're uh, training towards right now. He'll uh, he'll turn sixty two September twenty seventh. And I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm buying him a, a, a doorframe pull-up bar. He is, he's going to have uh, 24 hours to do 62 pull-ups on his birthday. Oh, what, we're what a for. challenge.
2: Mm-hmm. I do respect this question from Kim, though, because it's something that I hear not from people who are just in their 50s or in their 60s. And we've, we've talked about this just a touch, but I think we need to give a firm answer because this is an honest question. So many people assume that to do CrossFit, you've got to be, 18 or under and you've got to be you know a top five athlete at your high school or whatever it's just this huge misconception i don't know where it started but it certainly is stuck so how do, how do you answer that
1: yeah i think first you just need to get back to what is crossfit it's performing functional movements at high intensity and high intensity is just relative to you what intensity you can put out you know my high intensity is going to be different than a seven-year-old's high intensity. But at the same time, we're both performing functional movement. And I think the older you get, the more important it is that you do functional movement because if you quit doing functional movement, you're going to end up not being able to do anything. You're going to end up in a nursing home. You're going to have to have help. And so I think that it's imperative that you continue to squat. You continue to press. You continue to step up. You continue to walk, run if you can. Um, And so when people say, I can't do CrossFit – that that's just such a big misconception because CrossFit is so broad. You can do so many different things in it. Yeah. Maybe you can't do one movement in CrossFit. Maybe you can't do a snatch. So what? There's a million other movements that you can do. And I think you're doing yourself a disservice by, by cutting out functional movement and you're just setting yourself up to have uh, a tough rest of your life. And I think that, you know, the older you get, the more functional movement you need to be doing.
0: Uh, Kim, I would ask, uh, I would ask your friend, um, you know, they say, oh, I can't do CrossFit him. well. Can you sit in a chair and stand up? Can you do it again? Can you do it again? Can I put this clock on for three minutes and let's see how many times you can do it? Then you can do CrossFit.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I've talked about this before, it, you know, people kind of give up on their health and fitness at the, this day and age. They just say, oh, I'm old. I can't do that. You know, I'm just going to be in pain the rest of my life. But you know, I think that if the people that are coming to the gym and working out consistently that are in their 50s and 60s, I guarantee you that they feel better than they did before they came to CrossFit. And, you know, being in pain and uncomfortable is not a, a good way to go through life. And you don't have to be in pain and be uncomfortable and give up on your health and fitness when you're 35, you know, just because life gets busy. I think it's more important the older you get – that you do take care of yourself and work out. Because if you don't, you're going to end up immobile at some point. And it, you're, you're going to have a, a worse quality of life than if you were performing functional movement. And you know, I, somebody told me this the other day and he's like, my doctor told me I can't do CrossFit anymore. I'm like, man, it's you might not be able to do a kipping pull up. That doesn't mean you can't do CrossFit, you know? There's a million things that you can do in CrossFit. You know, we're always scaling things. CrossFit is functional movement. If somebody's telling you you can't perform functional movement, then you need to find somebody else because mm. that because that is so untrue. Functional movement is imperative to life. Yeah, I think some of this question
2: is people just trying to, I don't want to say make excuses, but make exceptions for their limiters. And I think there's a misconception that CrossFit does not allow people to have limiters. I mean, I, I have limiters I've been working with since the day that I walked in. It's very difficult for me to do handstand push-ups and be on my head and I've, I've gone to see people to figure out what the reason is for that, exposed a lot of other issues where I can make improvements. So it could be that you go into CrossFit, you've got a limiter of arthritis in a knee or arthritis in an elbow or something like that. Well, when you get into uh, CrossFit, you realize that you've been giving to that for a long time. You've created other issues. So I think there's healthy ways to approach those limiters. I remember one of the most frustrating conversations I ever had with Chris Allen. I walked in and the workout <laughs> at, the, at the old location it was 100 burpees for time and uh, I go to like kind of to a toddler place before most workouts I just like to (laughs) complain and whine and and all that stuff and Chris looked at me you looked at me and you said okay if you can't lay down on the floor and stand up a hundred times you've got a real problem and I'm like don't ever talk about a burpee like that again. <laughs> it's not like, like that's exactly yeah. what it is. You're laying down and standing up. If that's you can't, all it is. Yeah, if you can't do that 100 times, we've got a really big problem. So you I think the respectful way to approach people like, well, I can't do this, or I'm too old for this, or I've got this limiter. I think the caring thing to say to that person was, hey, we all have that. We've all got limiters that we've, even the most elite level CrossFit athlete has something that's limiting them, you know, and a lot of times it's from, the way they've abused their body in athletics over the years, but they're able to not only uh, compensate for that, but usually uh, what I love about this form of exercise is that limiter is going to improve. And I think Kim is a great example of this. I mean, she spent time doing CrossFit, Doug's the same way. They had these limiters when they came in that are now so much better Mm -hmm. because they're better at functional movements.
1: Yeah, I think what Chris said is spot on, say, well, can you, if you sit down, can you stand up? Can you walk? Can you... You know, can you press something over your head? Can you pu- push yourself up off the ground? Can you sit up out of bed? If And if they can do those things, they can do CrossFit, you know. And, and you know, you might – yeah, sure, you're probably not going to be doing the stuff that the the competitors are doing. You might not be doing snatches. You might not be doing kipping pull-ups, all that type of stuff. But you can still do CrossFit, and it's important that you do, the, do, do those things. And I think that if you will ask anybody who has been doing CrossFit consistently – at, at that age, they will tell you they feel better than their peers. They look younger than their peers. They have more energy than their peers. That's why they're so passionate about it, because they see what it's done for them in their life. And, you know, the arthritis piece, you know, when you, when you give away, uh, you know, you just quit working out, your muscles start going away, they start eating away, you're, you're not getting the, the, um, the support for your joints, that's going to take the, the pain out of your joints. And so building the muscle is going to make your, your joints feel better. It's going to make you know, you, everything work better, and you're just going to feel better overall. So if you do have arthritis, I would say to you, you need to be focused more on building muscle than just about anybody because it's going to make you feel better. And so um, just because your joints hurt because when you first start a movement, that just means you don't have the muscle that's supporting those joints.
0: Yeah um I guess uh, the the last thing that I would kind of want to put on that is uh, when when people I really I hate the whole just the just the whole people saying I can't do something you know if it's something that you don't want to do that's one thing but if like if you're wanting to get in shape and say oh well I can't go try that I can't do cross it because of this that and the other I have a really I have a real, real big problem with that just because of people um Um, just because of, uh, like I I hear people say that and I just think about, you know, what do you, so what do you tell your kids when they tell you I can't pass that math test or this, uh, this is too hard. I mean, how can you honestly like look at them with a straight face and tell them, yes, you can, and you can figure it out, you know, when you're not willing to make, to do that for yourself. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. If I stepped on some toes, I hope it hurts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's just such a prevalent mindset in in society these days is once you get over a certain age that your physical health, I mean, that's just part of it. You're going to you can't do things. Oh, I'm getting old. I'm just going to be in pain. No, that's not true. That's not a reality. You know, that's not that's not meant to be. You know, you can have a high quality of life well into your older age if you'll you'll take the time to uh to, to work out. So many things that we blame on age
2: these days, uh, it's just an accumulation of bad habits, just a collective effect, which we've kind of talked all the way around that in a lot of episodes. But you know, everybody talks about, Oh man, when you hit 40, you know, your metabolism slows down you wake up and everything hurts every day. And I'm like, you know, what's crazy is that I go to my gym and I see 40 year olds killing it. Like I'm chasing them. Yeah. So, Yeah. (laughs) So something you're telling me is, isn't right. And these, these guys aren't freaks of nature. They're just paying attention to their health in a, in a much different way. And, and I think the last part of this co- this question, well, I know we got to move on, is that it's never too late to start. It is a lot of times I think this, uh, I'm too old or I've got these problems. It's just people voicing their intimidation. And that's all right. Yep. You know, It's an intimidating thing to start a new way of life. But we see people doing it at Coyote day after day after day. People are signing up. They're eating the elephant. I mean, I, I could tell you athletes that I watch on a weekly basis that are doing things when they first walked in, like, man, this guy, this girl, they've got a long road ahead and inside of three weeks, they're
1: surprising themselves. So it's, it's, worth it. it's worth it to take that step, especially if you're feeling that. I think not only is it never too late to start, that the later it is, the more important it is for you to start. Um, the farther away you are from the days when you're active, um, I think the more imperative it is that you become active. Cool, great question, Kim. Thanks yeah. for that. Uh, so we also had a question from Doug Owen. He said, can you start CrossFit if you're over 50? So I think we kind of, we kind of hit that on the same, same one. Um, let's see. Next question. I think what Doug meant to ask is, can you
2: do CrossFit without a shirt on if you're over 50? <laughs> and he's definitively answered that question: Yes.
1: Does anybody have bigger traps than me? No, Doug. <laughs> no, not. they don't. No, they don't. Okay, here's a question from Mohans. In in the effort to eat healthily while hitting your caloric and macronutrient goals, while in a limited Budget. What are some good alternatives or hacks to finding those good foods at a better price? Um,
2: double Dare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what? what? What's he saying? Okay, uh, so how, uh, how, uh,
0: how, to, um, how how to how to, able eat, to right eat healthy some... on a on a on budget, budget on a budget? budget yeah. Um, uh, one thing that you can uh, that you can definitely do is uh, is if you have the ability to uh, to free stuff, buy in bulk, get a uh, get a Sam's Club uh, membership or costco whatever the uh whatever the case may be uh buy uh buy in bulk and you know like if you're uh if you're somebody who's um who's big on who's big on performance and you want to be able to get a adequate amount of carbohydrate in without having to you know resort to um uh pop tarts and real high uh real high uh processed sugary uh stuff um there's a uh you can buy i mean a rice rice is so cheap it's almost free um there's uh, uh, there's there's a million different things that you can do. That would be that'd be my uh, be my top two. Um, I mean, like, uh, things like or, when you start getting to things like organic meat and stuff like that. I mean, there's some things that you're just gonna have to uh, if you really want to be dedicated to having your, your food as clean as possible. I mean, you're gonna have to make sacrifices in other areas of your life where you're spending money.
1: Yeah, I think I think when you're talking about price, the biggest thing is planning ahead for price and for time. I think if you plan your meals out a week in advance and buy them all at the same time and prepare them all at the same time, it's going to be a lot cheaper. I think, you know, we don't realize until you start tracking it, if, if, you're, if you don't pack a meal and you end up eating fast food for lunch or whatever, that actually is a pretty expensive meal where if you were planned ahead and, and, and made it on Sunday and prepped for the whole week, you're actually going to save yourself a lot of money and time. So I think, like Chris said, buying in bulk yeah you can buy a lot of rice you can buy a lot of potatoes you can buy man I bought a carton of sweet potatoes that would last me for a year for like 25 bucks from some guy at the Rite Aid parking lot I mean Whoa, the, the, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wait a minute
2: you bought a carton of, of sweet potatoes out of a Rite Aid parking lot yeah there,
1: there there's a guy in the Rite Aid parking lot Jackson he sells them by the carton like locally grown sweet potatoes that's fantastic and like he was like it's like how much he was like 30, but I'll give it to you for 25. I was like, so <laughs> like, he negotiated with himself, like I didn't offer him anything. But, I mean, I had a, car- I got a feeling about you. <laughs> I had a box of sweet potatoes, but I mean, you can buy like a big, huge thing of vegetables for pretty cheap. Um, I think if you really add it up, you can eat healthy for just the same price as eating fast food or eating not as healthy food, yeah. if not better. Yeah. I think you just have the biggest thing is planning ahead. I think I think budget, price, time, I think that's all just, uh, you know, a – a symptom of the ultimate root cause you haven't planned ahead and you're 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 picking your meals out on a day-to-day basis or on a meal-to-meal basis and you're you're going to make bad decisions when you're hungry you're going to make bad decisions when you don't have a lot of time but if you'll plan ahead uh the week in advance and say i'm eating these are my 21 meals that i'm eating for the week and i'm going to make them all on sunday and they're going to be sitting in my refrigerator i promise you it's going to be a cheaper way and you're going to eat better that way too i think uh especially if you're wanting to get a lot of vegetables in and stuff like that.
0: some people um, have a hard time with that because you know if you want if you want to get like fresh vegetables if you want to go to the uh, to the produce section and get the vegetables from there that I mean you you're gonna have to make frequent trips to the grocery store and if you have if you have kids that's something that's really really hard to do I would say I mean go go with frozen vegetables if you need to I mean yeah. there, there's there's
1: nothing wrong with them you know eating frozen vegetables is way healthier than eating McDonald's you know? yeah exactly and and you don't have to get the grass fed meats and all that type of stuff if you just get good quality meat you know at at kroger or something that's still going to be a lot better than the alternative yeah so it's it you might not be able to eat as perfectly healthy as somebody who's going and getting all organic all locally grown all that type of stuff but you, i promise you you can eat a lot better than um than you you have been eating just by focusing on it yeah, i think that's a solid answer what would you say chase
2: yep yep <laughs> Yeah, I I'm agree with all this. Time. Next I'm, question. I just, I've Next completely question.
3: switched to rice and ground turkey and broccoli, and it's like what I eat every
2: day. Uh, there you go. I, I <laughs> was, <laughs> I was, I was actually going to say, and I think this links into what you guys were talking about, but this is what gets has gotten me in trouble in the past, is in doing this meal prep stuff, I'm like, I'm prepping all these meals. By the time I get to the end, like meal 18 to 21, I'm like, if I have to eat this again, <laughs> And I just, you know, honestly, I just stop. That's where like, it's
0: important to make sure that you have variety.
2: Yeah, you can actually meal prep with variety. You know, in yeah. the beginning, I, there's a process of learning how to do this well. Initially, you're making all 21 of the same thing yeah. for all your meals. and uh, But being able to change up that vegetable and knowing which vegetables are going to taste, not taste like whatever plastic container they're in by meal 20 or 21. and. Yeah, I think there's kind of this big mystique around where everything's got to be clean and green and I got to go farm to table and but p- people mistake taking that one step to do this even going to turkey mean um, we're, we're big on turkey at my house I hate turkey but I've learned to love it you know because you start to see the benefits of what's going on uh, and the discipline fallout is pretty crazy too you yeah. know you, you're in a financial tightness. a lot of that for most of us if we're honest has to do with discipline yep and uh, when you start taking control of your meals and that's gonna you're going to save money
1: there and probably save money a lot of other places too I promise you that prepping your meals on Sunday and prepping them for the whole week is going to be the cheapest possible way you can you can eat, I promise you. Yeah. All right, cool. Good question. Uh, One that we we actually answer a lot inside the gym, so Mm -hmm. that was good. Yep. All right, we got another one? Yeah, so my dad asked if I'll come... Uh, cut his grass. Uh, I can, but I think my hourly rate's a little bit higher than it used to be. So, <laughs> I don't know if you want to pay, me, pay 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 that price, but uh, Tyler asked uh, Tyler Thompson asked, "What supplements do you recommend taking for CrossFit?" Ooh. Um, and we've kind of done a supplement episode before, haven't we? Yeah, Oh
0: we
2: we have touched on it before for sure. I think, but, but he's he, asking a little bit different question. We kind of attacked it as people are just using supplements for their nutrition, but there are some good supplements out there that are very helpful for an active life so
1: yeah for sure I think first like like supplements are you know we talked about before Uh, first go listen to that episode if you want to but um uh, supplements are supplements. You know, they're the icing on the cake. They're not the cake. So, first is get your diet in check. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Make sure you get enough water. You're going to get a lot more bang for your buck from that. But a few supplements that I would recommend uh, number one, creatine monohydrate. Don't get the ones with all the added stuff in it. Just get the creatine monohydrate. If it's cheap, uh, five to 10 grams a day. Um, that definitely works. Um, you know, adding a uh, whey protein post-workout, I think, is going to really help. Adding a little carb, uh, dextrose powder post-workout can really help too. Uh, what other ones do you say, Chris?
0: Uh, I would also say fish oils, um, uh, things, uh, things like that. You know, you can uh, you can kind of bump up your fish oils. I would say be uh be uh, be really careful if you're somebody who likes to do things like uh you know go camping or mountain biking or things like that because if you're on a lot of fish oil and you happen to uh you know cut yourself while you're camping or something like that you'll bleed pretty fast so if you plan a big camping trip <laughs> or something like that supplement. yeah it, it can be it can be dangerous <laughs> in that uh, in that <laughs> that's setting nuts. Yeah, that's, yeah yeah totally crazy right <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, one thing we should probably mention, Hunter, you and I have had this conversation a lot. When people start pursuing those uh, carb powders, there's a lot of really expensive stuff out there that's pretty unnecessary. So there's a particular sort of uh, carb
1: powder you recommend, right? Yeah, I just get the dextrose powder off of Amazon. You can get a huge tub of that. Um, now, this is a supplement that you only want to take put right after you get done working out. Whey protein plus uh, dextrose powder post-workout. You don't want to drink that any other time of day because it's going to cause insulin spike. Um but, you know, post-workout, that's going to help uh, you know, re- replenish your glycogen, help with recovery, help with soreness, all that type of stuff. So, um, some some dextrose powder and whey protein post-workout. Um, I also recommend a probiotic. You know, most people have a messed up gut. I think probiotic can help uh, fix that gut. Um, colostrum is something that I've been taking to help fix my gut as well. So, um, those are some supplements that we would recommend um, for sure, but... Before you b- go and spend your money on any supplements, I would make sure you get your diet, your sleep, your water, and take check because most supplements are just, um, you know, they're marketing it, they're overpriced, and they're really not going to do a whole lot f- for you. Two that we haven't mentioned that are really popular, the BCAs are probably going to be in that
2: protein uh, unless you get a particular type of protein. They're adding that in now. Uh, you can get BCAs on their own. But also one thing that I've seen you guys use –
1: pretty frequently are ZMAs uh, and that's primarily for recovery, correct? ZMA is something you yeah, you take at night. It helps you sleep. Uh, yeah, it can work. If you have trouble sleeping, I actually take a supplement uh, called Max Sleep from Nova Labs. It's the best thing I've found for, for helping you sleep. It's zinc, magnesium, B6, and uh, a couple other things that help you go to sleep and stay asleep. So those are that's good. You know, it's a good supplement that can help you sleep and help you help with recovery a little bit too.
2: So they do have value, but they never sit in first chair. That's what we, all, right. you know, we always try to get across there. But uh, great question, Tyler. This guy's a pretty top-notch athlete. So I, I don't think he's asking because he just doesn't want to pay attention to his nutrition. Yeah, right. This guy's looking to go to the next level for yeah. what he's trying to do. so.
0: Yeah, he's training for a, uh, uh, for a uh, triathlon, a little sprint triathlon right now too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, good luck with that, buddy. Yeah. We're pulling for you. If you're yeah.
1: doing endurance stuff too, I would also maybe uh, get like electrolyte uh, tablet supplement. Noon, N-U-U-N u u n. I've taken those before. Those really help too. Um, that can help uh, replenish some electrolytes as well. Okay, I think we hit that one pretty good, huh? Yeah, no mm-hmm. doubt. All right, uh, Martin Palomo the fourth asked the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> Love for, that for the new- wow. For the newbies, what's the most important nugget of wisdom? Would it be consistent or try to get hundred percent and not finish the workout? Uh, mm. Consistency, I would yeah. say.
2: Yeah, but this is a this is a big mistake. I think most of us, uh, may, well, I can't say to you guys, but most people that have come through that I've seen, this is a big dilemma. You know, am I going to push it? Am I on a red line and then just have to stop? But I got a, a really good workout. Or, and this where it really comes in is when the RX weight is right there on the line. There's a lot of discussion that happens there, but. Um, and I, Hunter even gave me this advice just two weeks ago. It's better to drop the weight and get the reps than it is to try to go to the top. You don't complete the reps. And, you know, even when it comes down to something as simple as doing step-ups on a box, yep. you want to make sure to drop that weight and make sure that you get the number of reps.
1: That's always more important than hitting some sort of CrossFit crash, right? Definitely. I would say consistency is the key to everything. The consistency is the key to success. If you look at anybody who has been successful in any industry or any form of athletics, the one thing that sets them apart is consistency. Showing up every single day. Maybe you don't have your best workout on that day, so what? You do the best you can, move on to the next day. Make sure you do all the reps. If you just use the PVC pipe and get all the reps done, it doesn't matter. You know, If you continue to come in day after day after day, Um, I think that that's the most important thing and that's what's going to set you up for success. And you want, you know, something I've been thinking about is, you know, frequency of coming to class and I think the three to four is like the, the, the tipping point for people. I think if you're coming to class three days a week, you're just kind of maintaining, you're not really making progress. But that fourth day, if you can come four days a week, that's when you really start making you know making progress. and you think about it, if you come three days a week, you're resting more days than you're working out. But if you come four days a week, you're working out more days than you're resting over over a year's period. So I think if you can come four days a week and just do the workout, it, 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 you don't have to you know put up a blazing time. It's just the, the showing up is the, is, the, is the most important thing and giving your best effort. But I think that the people who make the most progress are the ones that come in every day, and that's, that's just the bottom line.
0: You have to be committed to the long game. You know, uh, I tell people if you can't uh, – if you're going to come in and uh, you can't expect this, we don't design our program to be something that's going to drop 30 pounds off of you in six weeks. Mm-hmm. We're trying to give you a foundation that's going to let you be able to take control of your own health. That's why we're doing these podcasts. That's why we put – content out there so that you can uh, so that you can be educated because i mean you're only spending a few hours a week in the gym you know that's a lot of time that you're going to spend outside of the gym that you have plenty of time to Mess everything up. Direct that you've the program exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, consistency. Consistency is key, especially especially in the beginning when you're when you're first starting out. I mean, you're going to get results from just about anything. I could have you come in and do air squats and push ups every single day, and you're going to see results. Okay, but let you know, build the foundation, learn the technique, learn the fundamentals, and then you can build from there.
1: Yeah, it's not about the score that you put up on one, any given day. It's about continuously coming over time you know over a period of time it's it's not about how fit you are today. it's not about how fit you are tomorrow it's how fit you are five ten fifteen years down the road and that's the ultimate goal of crossfit is we want to develop a lifestyle of health and fitness that's going to you know have us give us a higher quality of life for the rest of our life chris talk a little bit about this is something you i've heard you walk the classes through i think our
2: audience would really benefit from Uh, the perceived percentage of output when you're programming workouts for classes. You say, hey, this should be around... Around eighty percent because of this. This should be around. We this is a sprint. We want you going on a hundred. I think this is a little bit of what Martin may be getting to. Is yeah, yeah. People think when I go into CrossFit, every workout is one hundred percent output, and and they crash and burn.
0: Right. Well, odds are we all fell in love with CrossFit because we did that first wad where we just you didn't know how hard you had to go. You just know that you came out of the gate screaming, and you hit this you hit this wall that absolutely crushed you, and you got done. You're like oh, my God, that was awesome. I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> right. and, um, and, you know, yeah, you know, it's it's great to – that's awesome. It's great that, that you know, that kind of reels people in in some strange way. But uh, doing that, you know, uh, pushing your body to the red line every single day uh, – you know you, you have a um it, you're going to get to the point of diminishing returns at some point where if you are if you are constantly stressing your body if you're stressed at work you're stressed at the gym, you come into the gym, you hit it as hard as you can, you go to that deep, dark place every single day you're burning the candle at both ends, and I've said it before eventually what's going to happen is you're either going to burn out or you're going to get hurt, so we structure our program to where we don't want you coming in and being fried every single day we don't want you leaving every single day with that you know gla- that glazed over look in your eye like you just went through a uh, through a 15 round fight there are there are days where the protocol is we're focusing on quality of movement and qual- and uh, and quality of effort get you uh, get you sweaty get you breathing with good quality movement go home you know, and it, because it is not um going to the red line every single day is not going to, is not what's going to get you your results in the long run. It'll give you a lot of really really fast results right now, but then you're going to end up uh, but then you're going to end up hitting a hitting a wall and now you've got nowhere to go because you've pushed your intensity so hard for so long. So it's something that has to be built over time. Yeah, and so, I can
2: guarantee you, if you, you perfect answer there, if you're coming into Coyote four days a week and you're just you crave the red line. It will be handed to you. <laughs> at least, oh, you're going to get it at, at some least point. once a
0: week, right? But uh, don't go. You do not have to go there every day to get results. Is what I, is uh,
2: what we try to preach to people. Yeah, uh, man. Hunter called me out so hard the first year I was cherry picking those workouts. He's like, "Oh yeah, we got rowing today. I knew I'd see Ben come in, right? <laughs> uh, so it's you can't pick the, just the ones that you want to do, but you also have to be sure to follow. The program. So many athletes that come into CrossFit, they've got this predetermined expectation. This is how I'm going to get healthy. This is what's going to work. This is what's worked in the past. Really submitting to that programming and being consistent. Uh, I think the other part that Martin's asking about is, is actually going to take care of itself over time. As you learn your body, you think you're going 100%, and then you look back three months from now and you're like, oh, my goodness, that was about halfway. I'm going half speed. So yeah. that percentage changes over time. But great question, Martin. I think we all struggle through that as we
1: start the CrossFit journey, which is exactly where he is. All right, we got another question coming in. Yeah, so yep. this is from Mohans. Would you add rucking in place of running if you suffer from knee problems? Yeah, By rucking, he means like loading up a pack, the, the yeah. typical put
2: 50 pounds on my back or whatever.
0: Yeah, sure. I think um, anything, uh, anything like that, any kind of uh, – um, uh, you know, low low intensity, long duration stuff. If you're wanting to, if you're wanting to build up an aerobic base, and you know, or if you're if you're somebody who needs to lose some weight and you just need to, you know, up your uh, uh, up your energy output. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to do. You know, especially if you if it's something that you enjoy doing, if you enjoy being outside, getting in the sun, and that's something that you you know you can say, you know, yeah, I can go on a uh, on an hour long uh, ruck or hike uh, once a week, twice a week. Yeah, man, I'm all, uh, I'm all for that. You know, especially if running, uh, if running, if running beats you up, I mean, there's so many other things that you can do.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the, the, the answer is if you enjoy doing it, then yeah, go for it. I think keep in mind though, that the, the magic thing that we want is intensity. Intensity is what brings results and we don't want to replace, all of our working out with just a ruck, we still need to be adding the intensity piece in. So if running hurts and the stimulus for the day is supposed to be high intensity workout where we push hard, get on a rower or a bike because you're not going to be able to get that intensity piece out of the ruck. But I do think there is a place for that for you to do if you enjoy doing it. I mean, I don't think that it's, you know, something that if you don't like doing it, don't do it. But if, if you do do it, if you do enjoy it, go out, you know, enjoy it. But at the same time, we need to add in some intensity pieces as well so we need to be getting on that rower some we need to be getting on that bike some too so that's a, i've always had this question you guys are pretty consistently
2: four people subbing those runs with the assault or the rower the correlation there is that you're able to get to that intensity to build the aerobic base on those two pieces of equipment
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have to, um, you know, if I, if I'm putting a, a run in a workout, it's because I want something that's going to, that's going to get in the lungs. That's going to get you breathing heavy. And, uh, I like, I like running to, uh, to tap into that system because running is primal. Everybody knows how to do it. They, you don't have to think so much about how to run. You can go run, speak for but. yourself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, the bike, uh, the bike and the rower, um, not, so, not, a more so the bike than the rower but uh, that's a uh, it's another movement that you don't have to think about you can just kind of you know you push the pedals you pull on the handles and you just breathe and that's what we're trying to what we're trying to do regardless is just get you uh, get the heart rate up a little bit get to where you're bringing in uh, bringing in a lot of oxygen and uh, you know training uh, train the
2: lungs and train that system I'll tell you one thing I uh, feel like is a little bit dangerous about the rucking philosophy is that it allows you to do that in isolation. If I want to be on a rower, then I've got to go up to the gym and I'm going to be around other people. And I guarantee you mm-hmm. I'm going to work harder in that environment. Um, and I don't think that, that Mo's making the case here that one should replace the other. But for me, if I'm getting to a place where I've got to scale something and I'm kind of in making that decision, am I going to do this or not? I really need to be in that environment where the people around me are pushing me.
0: Yeah, so, you, you know, if you're wanting to get some, you know, uh, if Mo, if, it, if this is the case with you, if you're wanting to get some extra aerobic work, but you just, uh, but your body just can't take, uh, take the running and you feel like, uh, you know, going on a ruck will be a good release for you and you can be consistent with that, do it. But I, uh, I would definitely, you know, make sure that you're still, that you're still getting in the gym and that you're still keeping that community of people that are going to, you know,
1: hold you accountable. Yeah, I think, I think make it a supplemental part of your program. Don't make it the program. You there know. you go. Well said. Yeah, you should have said that 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question, next question. All right, Mike Highfield asks, how should an athlete determine what workouts they should go as hard as they can or pace to maintain consistency throughout the workout? There seems to be a misconception that all CrossFit workouts push an athlete to complete failure. Yeah,
2: we'll we address yeah. that a little bit yeah. already. Yeah, you but, know, but he's bringing up a little different slice there. Like an individual athlete has some decisions to make about these things, right? That's what he's pointing out.
0: Yeah, hopefully um, the way the way that our class is structured and set up. Hopefully the coaches are doing um, are doing what they're supposed to do, and that's uh, delivering uh, delivering context to the workout. If we have we have a workout where we say, uh, let's just give an example. Let's say we're doing uh, four three minute AMRAPs with a three minute rest in between, and we say, okay, we want you to we're training the aerobic system today. So we want you. Uh, we want you moving at a consistent pace. And let's say, let's just say we're doing uh, twenty calories on the rower, ten wall balls, and uh, five burpees. Whatever the case may be. Okay. Let's say we're doing that for three minutes. If you are really training that aerobic system, then every uh, every one of those three minute AMRAPs should be pretty close to the same score. Okay. You shouldn't have, you know, six rounds in the first one and then four two and two on the last ones you know we want if you're training that aerobic system we want consistency across the board and if we we may have a workout where we're saying you know uh, okay this is uh we're treating today like game day i want you ha- coming out with a uh with a plan to hit this workout as hard as you can push get out of your comfort zone and hit it hard then yeah do that um but uh just um making sure that you're that you're that you're really paying attention to what the coach has to say and coaches doing a good job of delivering that message.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, with our competitors and with our class, I mean, I think you you shouldn't be doing a CrossFit four-time workout more than two or three times a week. The rest of the time you should be doing, like, intervals or moderate – You know, pace like longer aerobic type stuff to where you're not putting that pressure to perform on yourself every single day. If you, if you do, like Chris said earlier, if you do that at first when you're starting out, yeah, you can make a lot of progress, but you're going to crash and burn and you don't have anywhere to go um, from there. So, you know, you want to, yeah, you want that to be part of the program, but you want to also have the days where. You can take the pedal off the, the foot off the gas a little bit and back off. And a lot of that, too, is based off how you feel on that given day. You know, you, you know, we can write a program all day long, but we can't take into account the fact that, hey, maybe your kids were up all night. You didn't sleep well. Maybe you've had a stressful week at work, and you just don't have a whole lot to give on that workout. And maybe it is a game day workout, but you just feel like crap. But well, you know what? back off a little bit just go through do the best you can and live to fight another day you know every day is not going to be your best and a lot of that has to do with experience you know the longer you've been coming to CrossFit the more you might have uh, awareness of your body and how you feel on a given day but don't feel bad about having a bad day at the gym and, and not getting the score that you think you should have because you're still getting good work in you just didn't have it that day you might not have, you, know, you know there's a lot of external factors that affected you so I would say you know like Chris said, the program and the coaches should be giving you guidelines for that, but also take into account your body and how you feel. And if you just don't feel good and you're, you're, you know, if you're having thoughts like, I don't, I just can't go hard a day. That's your nervous system trying to tell you something, you know, you know, back off a little bit. And then on the days you do feel good, yeah, go all out. But on the days you don't, you know, give it the best you have and live to fight another day.
0: Yeah, I, I want to add something on top of that. So the way, the way it works is, adaptation comes from, uh, from stress. Okay. Like you, you, adapt to the, to the stress that you're put that you're putting on or uh, that you're putting on your body. So if, um, you know, you want to come in, you want to hit high intensities because that's where, you know, that's where the, the adaptations happen, you know, the, po- the positive ones. But if you are not recovering or basically the more you recover, the more, the more times you can go to that place. So like, you know, you say doing a really, really hard CrossFit workout two to three times a week. If you can, uh, if you can really, uh, if you can, you know, dedicate yourself to getting sleep, controlling your stress outside of the gym. And guess what? You can come in, you can hit it harder more times a week. Okay. But if you're like everybody else, you know, if you, if you work a really stressful job and you don't, and you have a hard time filtering the outside stressors, then it might be a better idea for you to, you know, make sure you try to hit it hard once a week, maybe twice a week. And then those other days kind of go through the motions, get some good movement, get some good breathing work, and leave feeling better than you did when you came in.
2: Yeah, that's totally acceptable. I love that we're addressing this question so much because I think it, it wrecks people in their journey. Yeah. One thing I like to recommend for folks is that they take the drive from wherever they're leaving to get to the gym and do all this assessment because most people are on autopilot. They don't even understand the level of stress they're under. They don't know what they've had to eat that day. They don't know how much they slept last night. They're just in that 24-hour cycle just trying to stay alive. You know, it's not to be too dramatic, but most people are just facing what's right in front of them at the moment, especially with the the way um, life has gotten for most of us. But I think if you assess where you are, then you take that time. What what frustrates me the most is when – um, the coaches are walking people through the workout in great detail here's what you need to look out for most great instructors are also going to say this is what happened at noon this is what happened at 8 a.m you see the scores you need to watch out for this and people are are so in open the, their mind or in conversation and then when they go to grab the bar that's when they want to start thinking about it but there there's so much responsibility on the athlete to know themselves and not just throw everything on well this particular type of uh, workout's really not good for me. Well, you don't you don't know that because you don't know what's going on that day. Uh, so I, I think this athlete awareness is something that you guys have really been driving into us over the past couple of years, and as a big part of that answer what Highfield's asking. And most of us struggle with uh, with people looking at us like we haven't been going hard enough. I don't know why we why we suffer under that, but it is you can always slow down a little bit and get better on movement i mean yeah. any movement i did a kettlebell swing the other day i'm like oh my gosh it feels like i haven't done one of these in my life mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh, so you can go back and relearn this stuff a lot all right so we have time chase is our producer we have time for one more he's give me the uh, one steam behind the, the glass yes. can yeah, we do yeah.
1: like a rapid fire just like quick couple couple? yeah yeah, yeah. i just want you if we had one yeah. long one in left that case or... i'm out short yeah. end, i'm out yeah. <laughs> Let, let's do a rapid fire uh greg holloway asks, can someone send their wife to coyote crossfit to learn how to properly clean i guess he's saying that it's clean at coyote so yeah you can send her up there wow <laughs> i'm gonna I don't, I don't think that's what he was talking about yeah. <laughs> uh uh maryland uh, let's just do rapid fire try to keep these short Marilyn williams asks what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting
0: uh it uh it depends i've d- talked about it on here before if it's um it's something that uh, we, we'd have to dive really deep into. I don't know how I'm going to keep this question short, but um, it's uh, it's something that I'll say that can be good for a time. There's a time and place for it, and uh, we could do a whole another episode on this. But uh, um, it, uh, it's all it all still comes down to um, what's going to be sustainable for you. Okay, if that is the most sustainable way to eat for you, then go for it.
1: I would say any of that, that's a higher level form of dieting. I would definitely say if you've never tracked your macros or counted your calories, then you need to do that first. You need to be aware of what's a protein, what's a carb, what's a fat. If you don't have any idea what you're eating, then you have no business doing intermittent fasting. You need to get a hold of what you're eating first, find out how much you're eating, um, how many protein, carbs, and fats you're eating every single day, not just Monday through Thursday and skipping Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Until you get a hold on that, I wouldn't try anything else. I wouldn't try keto. I wouldn't try intermittent fasting. I wouldn't try any of that more advanced type stuff. If you have been tracking your calories and macros for a while and you're you're pretty good at that, then maybe you can start trying that other stuff. But, but get the basics down first. We talk about that all the time. Get the basics down first before you try any other stuff. Um, okay, uh, Tyler Thompson had another question. If you've been doing CrossFit for a while and you've seen progression in most movements, but there is a single movement that you struggle with still, how do you go about attacking those weaknesses while still doing the class? Uh, get a uh, get a good coach. Set up a uh, set up a session with them.
0: Get them to to get uh, get some eyeballs on you and see uh, and see what it is that's really limiting you. If it's the movement, if it's, if it's your mobility, if it's your strength, get uh,
1: get some more direct uh, direct feedback from that. Yeah, I agree with that 100% and maybe just say I'm going to attack this for a couple of months and really work on that and uh and and I, but yeah, Chris said, you know, if you're struggling with something, get somebody to help you with it. Um that's what the coaches are there for. Um and listen to what they say. <laughs> that's the big thing. How many yeah. times you instructed a person like No, that's not it. It's Im- just- <laughs> implement what they say to do too. I mean, yeah. that that's one thing you you can we can give nutrition advice and advice all day long, but if you don't follow it, it's not going to work. You know, so um, implement it. Okay, so uh, Lauren Williams ask thoughts on the keto diet. I think yeah. we just we, touched yeah, on that. T- so, that. yeah, that's a fire, a higher form level of diet. I promise you, if you start counting your calories and macros and get that in check. That will give you all the progress that you want, and then maybe you can dabble in this other stuff down the road. But if you haven't been doing that for a couple of years, you don't have any business doing any of these other diets that people are pushing. Um, that's what—that's all it is. They're advertising, they're pushing, they're trying to make money off of it. Um, you need to be real careful anytime you get into extremes. Yeah.
0: You know, when you start getting on, you know, one end of the aisle or the other, that's when you need to take a step back and really ask if this is really sustainable or not.
1: Yeah um okay another one from lauren is what do you say to someone that is interested in doing crossfit but is scared that they are too out of shape to even start do Do you do you learn picture (laughs) do you learn how to play the guitar before you get guitar lessons
0: that's what Uh, i would say to them
2: uh good point I i think one of the best things one of the most effective things that we've seen is to invite them to go with you it's usually like, you know, you, yeah. c- you can sit down and talk about it all day long, but until they get in there and have that experience, and most people need that buffer. And most uh, CrossFit gyms have a, one day a week or one day a month where you can actually go with somebody and do a partner-wide. It's a great uh, introduction to that, somebody who's got that much fear around it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, no matter how in shape you are, CrossFit's a whole nother animal, so it's going to be hard for everybody. Um, You just got to start first. Uh, We have a 10-session on-ramp program that we put people through. I would say if you go to a gym that doesn't put you through an on-ramp program, go to another gym because you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for injury. You're setting yourself up for a lot of soreness. Um, You need to be, you know, getting somebody walking you through, teaching you the basics, all that type of stuff. You know, we, we spend a lot of time with people on the front end, helping them learn how to move correctly, Um, helping them ease into it so they're not super sore so they're ready for the class when they start and it's going to help you in the long term but nobody's ever in, in good enough shape to start crossfit that's just the bottom line it doesn't matter who it is it's hard for everybody um and the more out of shape you are the more you need it so i would say that yeah get started yeah just just go in there get started okay yeah any more rapid fire I think that was it. Did you guys have any other questions from any other
2: avenues? Mm -mm. No, I've been reading all the banter on Facebook Live. It's pretty pretty comical, but no questions are coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Their attention span is just kind of... Right, right. So uh, speaking of comical, see what I did there. I think we can uh, transition to our next segment, which I'm really... I'm actually very excited about this because it gets me out of talking about the 80s that you guys just aren't aware of unless you watch the americans uh so we're getting to our segment called he just took a a sip of his drink outside the box yes it gets better and better every week so this week we are discussing and i think we had to go hunter i think you had to go top five here
1: Oh, yeah. We, that, we need to leave a little bit of time for this one because it's going to be... Yeah, I knew yeah, what I was doing when I was holding up the one finger <laughs> there was no Well,
2: there's no way to break this down to the, to the top three. Chase but. said 20 minutes on CrossFit, two hours
1: on the office. <laughs> on the <outside laughs> of the Let's office. really break it down here, guys. Yeah,
2: so we are discussing today, I have from the uh, home office in Sioux City, Iowa. We've got the uh, outside-the-box topic is the top five office characters the top five office characters for our facebook live audience right there mm-hmm. so uh we did not have any limitations this is just your just personal that showed up your yeah. personal top five so there's sure to be some arguing here which i really enjoy watching you guys argue um so we'll start i think we should start with chase um on this one too i don't know
1: why we're just we're going to go with that. So if you haven't seen The Office, first off, shame on you, the U.S. version. <laughs> <laughs> Second off, just skip to the end. <laughs> I guess you can just stop listening yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, shame on you. That's
2: funny. Uh, yeah, I tried to watch the uh, the one, what's the guy's? Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I'm like, mm, I don't know. It's just not the same. People tried to sell me on the fact that it was better, and I think they're full of garbage. Those are just people that try to seem better than you. Because it's British, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, go top five.
3: You're number five, Chase. All right, my number five. Uh, I don't think a lot of people say this one honestly, but I've grown to really appreciate this character uh, after I've watched the series at least thirty times. Uh, But it's Aaron. Aaron is stupid funny. She She is is so funny. She's super underrated. She barely has a, a bad line the entire time she's on the, the show. And it's just like, it's just dumb funny. Like, it's not, it's not highbrow. You don't have to overthink it's, it. it. It's, it's, almost,
0: just... it's almost cringeworthy, her, yes. her ditziness on the show. I love it's it. So good. I live
2: for it. So, yeah, Aaron's my number five. I just felt like we couldn't be friends. That was what limited me with her. I'm like, I don't. You would be friends with Michael Scott? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably.
3: Um, I yeah. could hang out with Aaron. For sure.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And was she like did she take Pam's place or was something strange? Like, I don't know. It just it felt like a shift for me. I just didn't like. So, um, anyway, I'm just poo-pooing your number five just for the sake of it.
1: I want to let you guys know that our our viewership dropped from uh nine to two when we started this segment. So (laughs) I if that's saying anything, but uh who knows.
2: All right, so you're saying we go to Chris next? All right, Chris next.
0: Okay, my uh uh, my number five is, uh, is Kevin. Lo- Kevin. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I kinda, I kinda took, uh, just took the ones that, uh, that really made me laugh the most and made me laugh the hardest. And Kevin is my, uh, <laughs> is my number five. Like, I mean, they're <laughs> just, um, it was, it's not, it's not even always what he said as much as just how he says it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, little, uh, funny, uh, little funny fact on, uh, on Kevin, if you, uh, the, the episode where they are doing the, um. Uh, they're putting all their New Year's resolutions up on the board. If you Apparently, if you look really close at Kevin's card, it says to be a better husband and a better boyfriend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way that guy delivered his lines were, yeah, it was pretty classic. All right, so we go to me now. Oh, no, Hunter, I'm the last one. Of yeah, course. might as well. Of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, my number five is, in my opinion, the most underrated character on The Office and that's Creed Bratton. Uh well, I'm surprised he's number 5. Yeah. Creed Creed is so funny and the more you watch The Office, uh the more you realize how funny he really is. He just has those hilarious out-of-left-field one-liners um uh, that just take you off guard and they're just so funny. Uh but I have a couple of my favorite uh Creed quotes. Uh <laughs> I'm going to have quotes for all these characters, so Okay, uh, all right. Uh Number three is, you're paying too much for worms, man. Who's your worm guy? <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, crazy. Uh, number two, I stopped caring a long time ago. I think everybody can can mm-hmm. can relate to that. Uh, number one, I'm not offended by homosexuality. In the 60s, I made love to many women, <laughs> often outdoors in the mud and rain. It's possible a man could have slipped in there. There'd be no way of knowing. so. <laughs> creed
2: creed brat number five Mm, creed all right so uh i think my number five is uh i don't know most people are not a fan of this character but karen i thought karen did it did a great job uh like
0: in just, her in her short-lived stint. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah but just the, the banter between Karen and Jim, and she's got this one, uh, in this one episode, she does a Jim impression, which is just uh-huh, spot, spot on. on yep. And I could tell that wasn't written into the script. She just, I don't know, it was. She's, she was sharp. And I don't know, like, I haven't seen her on, followed her on much else, and she wasn't really on the show that long. She was in Parks and Rec. Yeah, she, okay. she was on Parks and Rec for a long time. So that's why I put her, I didn't... I know this is a big statement She's to admit, but I don't watch that. Too, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I put Karen at number five because when you get down to that fifth spot, for me, I'm like, okay, who's who's something that would be a character that would be unexpected? So I would say Karen is my number five there. All right, back to you, right, Chase? I think so. So
3: uh, so my number five, uh, I know some people are have principled stances against this man, but I think uh, Seasons 8 and 9 proved how uh, – necessary he was and that's michael scott he's yeah. just like i don't and it's michael scott i'm not going to elaborate too much further yeah. on why he's in the top five he's just he is the although, show
0: although although the, those seasons did hold their own they were they, still funny were, but it was definitely not yeah, the same it,
3: they, it wasn't fair that they had the same title as the office like I, it's not it shouldn't be the same i show. disagree
1: i had to stop watching i couldn't even take it anymore i, I didn't even watch eight, the, eight, eight was the worst season. of the
2: two. nine, nine yeah. could have been
1: way worse mm-hmm. but anyway michael scott
2: He's your number four, five or four, four. Four. He's your number four. Wow, Michael Scott, number four. Number four. Bold move. move.
0: Yeah. Okay, and you know I did not include Michael in uh in my list just because I just felt like it was too obvious. Uh, So uh, so I wanted to basically kind of keep mine with. I just try to be honest, Chris. I want people to know. (laughs) I see your play, Chris. I see. Well. And uh, I, I kind of ranked mine on you know, who made me laugh the most and the hardest. And mine, this one's really random, but Robert California. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, I don't know what it was like. He did, like he just did so much with doing so little. Like he, he basically took the job and just sat in the office <laughs> and did, and did nothing, and and was somehow able to get everybody to just do all the work. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the the first time you ever see him you know they you know they're talking about we got this new boss coming in. He literally walks in the office, takes a look around, doesn't say anything, and then leaves. And then the next thing you know, uh, the next thing you hear about him is that he flew down to uh to Florida and bought the company from uh, from uh what was her name? Joe Bennett. Yeah, yeah, from from her and came back and now he owns the company. That's
2: Spader. Is that is that right? who played yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Now he's like on the blacklist and a murderer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very
3: actually not a very different character, just uh looser rules, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right,
1: well played, well played. All right, so we're we're Hunter Hunter, yeah. So my number four is Jim. Uh I like Jim. I thought he was overrated uh on the show. I thought he was funny. Um I liked his, his pranks on Dwight were definitely his best best pranks. Uh, contribution to the show his whole relationship w- with Dwight was just hilarious I thought um, but I thought he was overrated he I th- I felt he was kind of a he, uh, represent representation of the common person he thought he was smarter and funnier than he really was he thought he deserved to be um, higher up than he really was um, and I think that's that's pretty pretty typical for most people so you know in the end, I think he realized he was where he meant to be, but you know, I, he struggled throughout the show with trying to figure out, you know, I, I feel like I deserve to be, you know, higher up than I am. And why am I in this position? And I think a lot of people can, can relate to that. Uh, but I thought he was funny and I thought all of his interactions with Dwight were, were the best. And his, his pranks with, uh, on Dwight were the best. My My favorite prank is when he dressed up as that's Dwight. <laughs> that was that was really, really funny. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Dwight uh, – or, I'm sorry, Jim, number four.
2: Yeah, wow. That uh, surprised me to be, be that low. My number four is actually Dwight. So, uh, I feel like if you have a character that's going to run one lane for an entire series, you know, he, he deserves some respect there. Um, not that he didn't have dynamics as a character, but – the reason I put him at number four and I've I struggled actually from four to one, but when you hear people quote the office, if it's not Michael Scott, who is it? Yeah. It's Dwight. It's Dwight. Sure. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, so uh, I think without him in the show could the show survive without him? Sure but I think he had uh, all these memorable moments and to be the butt of Jim's jokes although my uh, Asian Jim was pretty funny Asian Jim <laughs> yeah it was that may be the, the top one uh, and putting all of his office supplies in the vending machine was also pretty good too just hands him a sack of quarters yeah <laughs> I think that was probably attempted in a lot of offices around, around America right <laughs> after that episode Aired, but yeah, I'm gonna give it to White number four because it wasn't like, man, I can't wait to see what this character is gonna do next, or I hope he's got a, a big part in this particular episode. But I do find myself quoting him pretty often, so I give him number four. Is it me? Yep, cool. So, my number three is,
3: is Jim. Uh, I, I wouldn't say Jim's overrated, I would never ever put him above three. Just because I think he he's like a measure of normality for the show, like he kept he kept the show from being too outlandish, you know, based on the fact that Michael Scott and Dwight and Greed were all in the same office, mm-hmm. seemed a little crazy, but then you got Jim and Pam doing their thing, you're kind of like, okay this is, is at least a little acceptable <laughs> uh, and uh plus Jim's kind of like the uh the Chandler of the show, like you know Chandler friends, mm-hmm. just because uh, I appreciate sarcasm on a unhealthy level. And so the fact that that's like Jim's go to uh mantra with his jokes is uh right up my alley. So it's probably just more of a relational thing than anything. So yeah, number 3 Jim. My uh, my number 3 was also Jim and Sweet.
0: uh yeah, um yeah, uh, definitely uh yeah, he he kept you kept you laughing very very consistent for sure. Um and uh I, I thought it was really interesting how they you know they, how they developed this character throughout it was almost like uh um, yeah they, they, they kind of the, the writers did a good job of keeping him uh, keeping him grounded like you were saying, and uh, I kind of related to him really well with uh w- like having that same since you're know, very sarcastic, very dry and uh my favorite prank of his is actually it's not one that you actually see on the show, it's the one that's <laughs> described in the uh, the secret file. Oh, of oh, yeah, of yeah. complaints when he when he gets Dwight to hit himself in the head with his own phone oh, by yeah. putting a nickel, <laughs> in, there putting the nickel in there every day and slowly <laughs> taking them out. <laughs> that is a good oh, that's
1: one. Funny. So Hunter all right my number three uh, was Pam and I, I think I could go back and forth between Pam and Jim but I'll tell you why I had her had her higher than Jim I think she's the voice of reason on the show and she's kind of the anchor that keeps all the the sanity on the show everything's going crazy every episode with everybody and Pam's the one who always brings it back uh, down to down to where it needs to be um, and you know the relationship with Pam and Jim was was one of the central components of the show and I felt like they strung it out. Way, way too long But, I mean, I can understand They wanted, you know They wanted to keep people interested in the show But um, that was a, a, a good storyline uh, But, you know Pam was the reason that all the jokes Were able to be, to be made um, She's the one that kept, kept Pulling people back to normal And um, she also had a few good good quotes as well but I like Pam I thought she was important to the show I thought she was the reason that they were able to have a lot of the jokes on the show because she was able to bring it back and without her I think that the uh the show would have just been way too out in left field
2: am I the only person that when you meet a person named Pam the first thing you think is Dunder Mifflin this is Pam Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever met a Pam if I'm totally really? honest yeah. yeah every time that runs across man when, when Michael Scott goes up to her desk and says Pam Pam 2.0 like, oh <laughs> <God." laughs> who says that to somebody uh, alright my number three is Andy Bernard this guy shows up and you're thinking could this show get any more outrageous is there room for another character to be just completely different from the, the rest of the office and man, does this guy deliver. I mean, we're st- we start with Big Tuna, which <laughs> is probably forever going to live in people's uh, vernacular now that it, whoever's watched the show. Then we get to the episode <laughs> where the phone is ringing in the ceiling. And this guy comes on court. <laughs> not only do we know people that have those moments all the time, but I think that all of us have had at least one of those moments in our life where we have got just gone Andy somewhere. and We completely regret it. So I think Andy showed up. You're like, man, this guy's not only holding his own, but he's brought a new element to the show, which we previously thought was impossible. So I'll give my number three
1: to uh, Andy. That's a good choice. Thank Very good you. Choice. I will. I will counter that and say Andy was my least favorite character on the show. Really?
3: I. I think he's a. Yeah. Uh, he represents a character that got single handedly ruined by bad writing
1: in the uh, last two episodes. Or I, the last two. Yeah, uh, seasons the last two I mean. seasons I, when they tried to make it about him, that's why I just couldn't stand to watch it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Kelly, Kelly was my least favorite on the show. I thought he was. Andy was annoying. <laughs> Do we want to dive and off I, on this real quick? I, I, just, <laughs> I can list my least yeah. favorite. I, I just don't. I don't like the actor in, in general. He annoys me uh he's i just don't find him very funny at all uh i didn't like him in the hangover i I just Mm. i don't like his singing um he he did have one funny quote i'm sorry that i annoyed you with my friendship i (laughs) did think that was very good (laughs) so do we
3: want the real answer to who the worst uh, character is on the show yeah go for it it's phyllis Phyllis is oh, awful. Oh man, I Phyllis sucks. Funny. I hate Phyllis so much.
2: <laughs> she, she's like not a not re- as a person, but just in the show. Yeah, right? that character
3: okay. is like a representation of a person I just I would have to smack. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's the
1: worst worst
3: personality.
1: But she would say things that everybody else was thinking and everybody was scared to say. That's fair. But it's just I didn't like the combination of like how
3: light and delicate she was, but she would say some of the worst things you've ever heard in your life about people. She would. Like, when she told Pam to close her mouth, she looks like a trout? Like, that ruined her
1: forever for I, me. I think Phyllis is— You don't is insult Pam <laughs> Phyllis. I think there's a Phyllis in every single office across America. Oh, for no sure. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Okay, sorry. I got
2: us all track. So, yeah, number two? <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay. I just had an idea, though, that I think we should probably—one outside the box would be comparing— Uh, well-known athletes at Coyote to office characters. We should should push that to the side. (laughs) I would live for that. Uh, Number
3: two, my number two is uh, Dwight. He's the, uh, I think he's the definition of character that just, despite all the crap that was going on around the show, even in the later seasons, he was Dwight the whole time, and it was always funny. Even if it was like, even if it was over the top, you could still find some way to laugh at it just because Dwight's kind of the saving grace. And like you said him and him and jim's uh pranks are like literally some of the most classic versions of television that I can think of it's I agree. In, it's incredible
2: Where do you think his character like reached the pinnacle Was it the c p r episode
1: or that uh, is i think that was the pinnacle of the whole show yeah Yeah, i think that was the the best episode of television one of the best i've ever seen yeah it's incredible (laughs) is is michael scott singing the wrong song (laughs) (laughs) at first i was afraid at first i was afraid and then then it just all comes down to michael scott just roasting everybody It, it just couldn't get any better than that yeah so i'll have to say number two
0: dwight uh
1: Okay, sorry. That's yeah. Chris, Chris. is next.
3: I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, my my number two is also Dwight.
3: Oh man, we're going.
0: I ha- I, and I have a feeling that our top three are going to be exactly this. Probably. Same. We're probably becoming best friends today. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Uh, uh, Hanging out with CrossFit, you, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, Dwight. Um, you know, I guess to kind of just piggyback off of what you said, it was it was so cool to see throughout the seasons how he starts off as kind of this, um, you know, you know, dude who just thinks so highly of himself and he but he can't really get out of his own way and then he just kind of shifts to you're like he actually is this evil genius <laughs> you know buy you know like you know how he like how he buys the building yeah. and all of that yeah. and um and like uh, and tricks pam into uh you know saying that they're gonna that, that she's gonna move the office out you know like yeah. Yeah. All, all that scheming kind of her so, to scheming her, her to stay and, there yeah, yeah. and um yeah uh he it was just, and uh, you really. It started off. You loved Jim, and you kind of hated Dwight, and you loved to see Jim get the better of him. And then by you know halfway through uh, through the series, it kind of shifts. Yeah, they're like nothing without each like other. The, the, like the the snowball fight. Remember the snowball yes. fight? You mean yes. you're actually like, you know what Jim's getting what he, what he deserves? I'm happy that Dwight's putting him in this place.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: I Forgot about the, the way we're talking
2: fight. about these people. It's like we all grew up together. Yeah, yeah. you remember you remember together. that one time Jim? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, I'm totally lost. What number are we on? We're on two. Hunter's number two. 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 Hunter's number, uh, number two. My number two is Dwight as well. I <laughs> think uh, Dwight is—he's one of the most unique characters that has ever been on a TV show. Uh, he was so well developed, um, and he is definitely the second most quotable character on The Office. I mean, if if you're quoting The Office, you're more than likely quoting Dwight. Um, he he was really funny, and like Chris said, he he's the same. Uh, or, Or Chase He's the same Throughout the whole show He's the same character He's unapologetic For who he is And He is just The butt of So many jokes But he also has So many great lines Um I'm just going to name off some of my favorite quotes that he has. (laughs) I got a top five right here. I love catching people in the act. That's why I always whip open doors. (laughs) Uh, Number four, as a farmer, I know that when an animal is sick, sometimes the right thing to do is put it out of his misery. With the electricity we're using to keep Marath alive, we could power a small fan for two days. You tell me what's unethical. <laughs> uh, number three, I wonder if king size sheets are called presidential size in England. I really should have a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Number two Whenever I'm about to do something I think would an idiot do that And if they would I do not do that thing I mean that's just good Practical advice right there You know And then number one And I think this a lot too Why are there Why are all these people here There are too many people On this earth We need a new plague (laughs) I I think my favorite one Is like Who's Justice (laughs) Beaver He's a crime fighting beaver Oh Um, man Uh, So so
2: great Dwight Schrute Number two Benjamin all right, so my number two is Michael Scott and what you went against like everything you stood for earlier? Well, I'm saying my number two is Michael Scott because this isolated reason hmm. I feel like that he is one of the best characters on the show, both in the scenes where there's lots of people, but also where it's just solo interview style in front of the camera. I think he he really owned that we're. I know there's a camera here, but there also isn't supposed to be a camera here. I mean, I know Jim did a lot of that too, but you're in those group scenes and Michael give that side glance like he's performing and then you get behind-the-scenes stuff for him. He just, man, he owned that. It kind of felt like to me that he taught everybody else on the set how to really do that.
3: It's like, uh, I think, a good example of Michael being able to carry a show even by himself is when he goes uh, camping. Uh, and he like <laughs> he has cuts his pants up and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you could
2: do a thirty minute episode of him just in the woods, and it yeah. would be five mm. star
3: gold. You could.
2: Every time I see a George Foreman, I think about Michael Scott. <laughs> I mean, how do you? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And he he just provided that outland outrageous part of the show that was completely necessary. So I'll, I'll put him at number two for me. Mm. All right. right, number one. I really I'm like, I can't wait to hear this, and I mean that. So I've been preaching this a long time.
3: Uh Hunter was kind of saying earlier kind of verbatim how I describe it, but Creed Braddon is the most underrated character to ever appear in a comedic uh series ever. It's it. and it's yeah, it's not until you've watched this series a few times that you realize one, a lot of times you miss exactly what he said. <laughs> so it takes like the sixth time seeing an episode yeah. to be like, "Oh, Wow. <laughs> you can say that? <laughs> like the uh my favorite one is the uh when uh, Todd Packer uh takes a dump on Michael's floor and they're all sitting around talking about how bad it smells and Creed walks in and goes, Someone making soup <laughs> I lose it every time. Nothing makes me laugh out loud like that like that one liner. And Dude. then the uh the episode with the best Two minutes and twenty seconds of C, uh, TV, the CPR stuff. Yeah, where the, where he says to the lady teaching, he goes, "I saw you in the parking lot earlier. That's how I knew you." <laughs> <That's how laughs> I knew. In the middle of all this chaos, and the whole office just stops. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, uh, Chris called it probably Creed Bratton number one.
0: Yep, sweet. Uh, Creed, yep, Creed Bratton number one. And uh, what uh, what I loved about uh, about Creed, he's you know he's the kind of the mysterious guy, just saying random things over in the corner of the office, but with every with just about every line, you got just a little bit of a sneak peek into who Creed actually was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot like what you were talking about with his, uh, with his uh, sexual activity during the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, my, one of my favorite lines from him was, uh, he, was like, uh, he was like, I'm like a homeless man. I'll do anything to survive, just like I did when I was a homeless man. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: Creed, number one, all the way. No doubt. All right, so my number one is Michael Scott. Um, I don't think there's any way around it. I think Michael is the only character that could carry the show. Like I said before, I couldn't even watch it once he left the show. I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, You're high maintenance. Everyone, everyone <laughs> thought they could do Michael's job better than him, but it turned out that nobody could. When he left, everything fell apart, and so he actually did a really good job. Um, he loved everybody at the on the show at the company except for Toby. Uh, he loved his job. Yeah, he was an idiot. Yeah, he tried too hard. He made countless inappropriate jokes. But at the end of the day, he was a great character who only wanted uh, the best or best for everyone around him. And he had, by far, I think he had the best quotes. I think if you added all the quotable things up from the show um, of every other character, they still would be fewer than the quotable Michael Scott uh, quotes. So I just think Michael Scott was was the best character. He's one of my favorite characters that's ever been on TV. Uh, so I'll give you a few quotes here, uh, if you guys don't mind. <laughs> number I have a top. I have more, but I have a top ten. So uh, number ten saw Inception, or at least I dreamt I did. <laughs> yeah. Number nine, you know what they say: fool me once, strike one; but fool me twice, strike three. <laughs> number eight, would I rather be feared or loved? Easily, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Number seven, and I knew exactly what to do, but in a much more real sense, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> Number six, there were these huge bins of clothes and everybody was rifling through them like crazy and I grabbed one and, I, and it fit. So I don't think that it's totally just a woman's suit. At the very least, it's bisexual. <laughs> Number five, sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope to find it along the way. That's that, the best that's one. Just, that's I just love that one. typical Michael right there. Number four, I'm not superstitious. I'm I am, but I am a little stitious. Uh, <laughs> number three, Dwight, you ignorant slut. <laughs> number two, I am Beyonce always. <laughs> and number one, of course, is that's what she said. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he he single handedly created that. So I think that uh, Michael Scott. You know, my, one, probably my favorite character.
0: I think we need a poster in the uh, somewhere in the gym that has a picture of Michael and says, "You have no idea how high I can fly."
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: This is right. It's not the muscle brings awesome. yes. <laughs> Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah.
2: Oh, Michael Scott, what a guy! All right, Ben. All right, so my number one is Toby. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Just hang on. I'm I think kidding. you could make an argument for Toby. <laughs> Toby is like, incredible. Toby brought the best out of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He, I think, man, yeah. Toby you skipped was
3: good. The, uh, the Hitler one. If, if, I, if, if I had I Hitler had and Saddam Hussein in a room with <laughs> Toby, I'd right, shoot Toby twice. I'll, I'm going
1: to make a confession here. I've been working on some, some personal blog posts outside of CrossFit, and I wrote an article, Top 10 Office Characters. And so I, I have all this stuff listed down. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. I'll post this later Stay on. T- Tunes. Stay tuned. But t- I t- had a whole section of of Toby uh, Michael quotes that I, I uh, quote. Uh, okay. Tobia. Nice. All right. Sorry, Ben. Go. All right. So
2: again, for a very particular reason, I put Jim as my number one. Mm. Here's my reason. Well, his sarcasm is pretty. I mean, it's that's the way to your heart. We know. Yeah, I think it sets a standard. But here's as I look at the series as a whole, being able to watch it multiple times now, think about the way what, the way we've been describing the show and this guy had to be part of a, a love story in the middle of all that, and still none of us hate him. I mean, he still made it into a lot of our top lists. That's that's pretty impressive to me. Also, to know that his backstory is he was a writer uh, before he got in front of the... An, an English teacher. Yeah, so before he yeah. gets in front of the camera. So I just think for a guy to be able to balance that and a love story that went on too long... He looks I mean, like an English teacher. Yeah, he kind of does. He does. Yeah. Most of us would be like okay, this guy's driving me crazy and this whole love story stuff with Pam, get this gal off the show. Somehow he kept us interested though. I think his sense of humor was definitely a big part of that. But I think for me, he also provided something that was very necessary with a character like Michael Scott I think you very ne- necessarily had to have like that normal sort of presence that you were yep. talking about before. I so I put him at number one be- strictly because I think he had one of the most difficult jobs on set. That's why I gave him that spot.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Solid. Good arguments. Uh, what's y'all's favorite episode? I, I already said earlier, mine's Stress Relief, the, uh, the episode that came on after the Super Bowl.
3: I have a hard time not picking uh, a Dinner Party. At uh, Michael's yeah. apartment with him and Jan. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's that's funny.
3: It's it's just it's really very much just gold all the way through. I
2: love it. I think for me, Diversity Day was pretty <laughs> huge. <laughs> you know, I say all the time, and nobody knows what I'm. T- I'm like, wait, you can't leave. If you leave, there's there's no one left. Or we, don't, we, we don't have any left, right? So uh, yeah, that Diversity Day was pretty funny.
3: Dundies is my favorite.
0: The Dundees, oh, yeah. yeah, the yeah. original Dundies. The original, the Dundies? original yeah. Dundies. It's very yeah.
2: good.
3: They that's had a the Dundies episode, in the warehouse. That got me that's when he got the full taste of Michael, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Dundies
2: and, in the warehouse were pretty funny too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that, that was later. The, the first Dundies was the
2: one at Chili's. You <laughs> <know>. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The second Dundies is where they he delivered the it squeaks when you bang it line. No, <laughs>
3: no, no. That was the uh, the raffling off items for uh,
1: Crime Aid. When uh, all their crap got yeah, stolen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> is Diversity Day the one when uh, Michael Scott's not allowed to say that's what she said anymore? No, that's sexual harassment. Oh, that's yeah. a, <laughs> that's yeah, that's I don't know episode, if you've gone
3: back. One. It's kind of hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing they didn't stay that direction
2: because that's a raunchy episode. Yeah. D- Diversity Day is where they have the... They've got it all on their
1: forehead and he's... Uh, yeah.
2: You want a, cookie, cookie? <laughs> <laughs> you want a cookie, cookie? He's just doing everything. And then Kelly slaps the mess out of him. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I wrote down the, uh, the whole michael roasting uh everybody oh the quick uh boom roasted yeah yeah do y'all want me to read that out i think that should be the closing should we should we close this out with uh that because i I feel like that's the greatest obviously the recommendation is go watch all of the office
2: yeah (laughs) i will say before we get to this though one thing that he does he's as he's traveling around he lets out his memory device for how he remembers people's names (laughs) I mean that is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that is you, funny. They
1: blipped over it really quick. Be like, that's genius television right there. <laughs> Let's do the recommends and then I'll close this out because I do have one recommend. Did you have do you guys have any more recommends? Yeah, yet? I've got one. I was actually telling you
2: guys about this off mic. It's on Netflix. It's called Chosen, C H O S I N. It's actually a battle in um Korea. Man, the it was riveting and I've actually done a little bit of reading about it, but they're obviously interviewing guys that were there the way they talked about it. It has a very band of brothers kind of feel a little known battle. um, But a lot of it focuses on MacArthur and the decisions he made to get all these guys in that sort of problem. So there's just, I'm, I'm a big history guy, but there's a lot to learn. Even if you're not a history guy and you don't like to learn these kind of leadership lessons from that, the story is riveting so it's it's a great watch
1: and it's on netflix easily accessible anybody else no i don't (laughs) have any okay mine is uh, a book it's called open by andre agassi it's his autobiography Hmm. it is wow it's so good it's one of the best autobiographies i've I've ever read um he starts off the book like um going through his ritual, his daily ritual before a match. And it's like one of his last matches of his career. And it's just fascinating to see like the detail he puts into everything and how every single thing he does that day matters. And it just goes to show you like these professionals, they have everything down to a T. They do the same thing over and over. They have, um, great rituals, habits, routines that they always do. And that's the reason they're so successful, but it's just mind blowing to see the childhood and the raising this guy had When he was a kid, his dad made him hit 3,500 tennis balls every single day because he said if you hit 3,500 balls a day, that means you hit a million balls a year. And he said nobody's going to be able to beat somebody who hits a million balls a year. So he had no childhood. His childhood was him uh, playing tennis over and over, and his dad was just so overbearing and just crazy uh, hot temper and getting fights and knock people out all the time. And and it shows you, like, yeah, he got a lot of flack during his career – um, for, you know, going off the deep end and doing drugs and all this stuff. But it's like, you can trace all that stuff back to him and his being raised as a kid in the limelight and him being, you know, on magazine covers at 14 years old and, and him getting, you know, roasted by the media and how he deals with it. And he's just very open and honest with it. So it's really, really cool. If you've ever been into sports at all, I would highly recommend getting this book because it gives you a great insight into, um, the mindset of these professional athletes, what it takes to get there, and then what how they perceive it. Because we just see these guys as, as you know, people on a screen who are doing all these crazy things. We don't ever th- think of the human side or how it makes them feel or, or what what's going on through their mind. And he, he says he hated tennis from the moment he started playing his whole career. He hated tennis and he never wanted to do it, but he kept going back to it because that's all he knew. So um, I would highly recommend Andre Agassi's book, Open. Have you seen his speech when he gets uh, inducted into the – What was it, the Hall of Fame? Tennis Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame? No, I need to go watch it. Man,
2: it is like, it's crazy the way this guy's turned into an ambassador for the game and for life. I watched this. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. But I I watched the speech, and
1: I'm like, man, this guy, top-notch dude. He is. And, I mean, he didn't even graduate high school. And to read this book, he is a very, very smart guy, very um, well-spoken, well-written book, and so uh, very introspective. So it's crazy to show you. Um, he didn't even graduate high school, and to be able to write such a high-quality book's is really good. All right, cool. everybody's on bated
2: breath. So, so, a-
1: so we'll uh, lead him out with uh, the scene from Stress Relief. Michael Scott enters the room, and I had some thoughts that I wanted to share with you people. Well, I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. Jim, you're 6'11 and you weigh 90 pounds. Gumby has a better body than you. Boom, roasted. Dwight, you're a kiss ass. Boom, roasted. (laughs) Pam, you failed art school. Boom, roasted. Meredith, you've slept with so many guys, you're starting to look like one. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Kevin, I can't decide between a fat joke and a dumb joke. Boom, roasted. Creed, your teeth called, your breast stinks. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Angela, where's Angela? Well, there you are. I didn't see you behind that grain of rice. Boom, roasted. San- Stanley, you crush your wife during sex and your heart sucks. Boom, roasted. <laughs> At this point, Stanley starts to laugh, and then everybody kind of starts you know, easing off a little bit. Michael says, Oscar, you... You are and then he starts laughing. Oscar, you're gay. Oscar goes, wow. Michael says, Andy. Cornell calls. They think you suck and you're gayer than Oscar. Boom, roasted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that uh,
1: a uh, is that a see you next week? See, yeah, see you next week, guys. <laughs>